Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 86 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. Today, we're going to keep it a little bit on the lighter side, so not such heavy, dense science, although there will be some, we promise. And we're going to talk about summer travel survival and also take a couple of your listener questions. And as always, you can always ask us a question over at the Ask Alley tab on the podcast page. So whether you have a suggestion for an episode topic that you'd like to hear or just kind of a general burning question that you feel could benefit other people as well, please ask those over on the podcast page. Yes. I'm excited to share today's topic because I think it's super relevant and we're constantly redefining (laughs) what survival looks like and whether we want to use it that or whether we want to feel abundant in our travel and less anxious about falling off or, you know, getting back on track. Becky and I were just talking following a trip that I had in Houston about how you know you're old when you look forward to Mondays <laughs> after a long weekend and you just want to get back to your ritual and your routine. So today we'll be sharing some of our favorite ways to stay on track and not have that weekend hangover or reset uh, recalibration or you know five pound vacation weight gain and also still enjoy your time exploring a new area and um, not feeling like you're deterring your family or your other travel companions from fun. Sure. And I would add to that enjoying local cuisine and having that freedom around food that like, yes, I eat this way at home and I can figure something out no matter where I go because you can guys. So we'll, we'll work on empowering you um, to have that peace of mind today. And when this episode goes live, actually, Allie, you'll be just getting back from Aruba and I'll be in route to Scotland, I think. Yeah. Very, very fitting to air this episode now. And I know our, our clients have some fabulous trips coming up as well. So I think it'll be super helpful and relevant. Yes, for sure. For sure. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about how we prepare for travel personally. So first of all, Allie, does food influence, I'm sure I know food is always back of mind for both of us or maybe <laughs> front of mind, uh, but does food availability or um, you know, the, does that influence the type of place that you travel or how you choose to travel, where you end up staying? Oh, I think absolutely. And I especially get excited when I'm traveling to areas that are more kind of locavore focused or farm to table focused or health conscious. Um, So, you know, if I'm going out to California or if I'm going to a big city, um, I always am pre uh, looking as far as what recipes I want to visit, things that I want to check off my kind of map, if you will. 
in the more farm to table and, and paleo like world. And then as we are going to Aruba, um, you know, it's one big happy island, I guess, is their little phrase. And um, I have already started to find a lot of clean um, cuisine out there. And I always like to ensure that I have access to a kitchen. And really traveling with Stella has changed my perspective because I'm, you know, I think as an individual, you're able to kind of make do, but with Stella, I'm always packing like her cooler of snacks and everything. And so last spring when Brady and I and Stella moved from Houston, we were on the road for eight or nine weeks without a consistent home. <laughs> and Stella was still breastfeeding, but she was complimentarily eating solids as well. And so we would always have to kind of create different batch planning and approaches on, okay, this is her wild salmon day. This is her grass-fed burger day and so forth and, and figure out what things we'd have to bring from home, which restaurants we could order for her with and um, anticipate. And so that's really helped with my awareness of down to the level of preparation and planning uh, to really stay on track. Whereas I think personally, I feel like I could just kind of wing it a little bit easier. Um, but with Stella, it, it's, it's helped me to be extremely conscious. Yes, no, definitely. And the, the kitchen is a, a very nice add-on, although when we travel, it doesn't always happen. Um, right. But at least having knowing you have like a coffee maker and a fridge in a hotel room can actually make a big difference. And and. I've been there where <laughs> there's so many situations where I'm like stocking up that fridge and, you know, finding the local Whole Foods or if it's not a Whole Foods, it's whatever is available. Right. Um, and what's so cool about some places that, um, that we travel are that, you know, if we're going outside of the U.S., a lot of times, you know, farm to table isn't even a thing in certain places because everything's farm to table. Right. So, like, I know going to Scotland, I'm going to have fresh seafood and a lot of access to ruminants that are raised on beautiful pasture. I'm so excited yeah. about that aspect as well. Right. I think you'll have a little more carbs to navigate and a lot of fried stuff. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of fried stuff, a lot of potatoes, and like that's a double hit for me. Maybe the vegetable hit, yes. but the proteins, yes. So I'll, be, I'll be a carnivore for... <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm all about the kind of foodie trips and definitely, you know, planning around if we're going to New York or we're going to Napa and figuring out what restaurants are recommended. Um, but yeah, I've also been to some pretty out there places like, you know, Rwanda and <laughs> Vietnam. And I know there's always a way to figure it out. For sure. And, you know, like you said, with the access to a kitchen, if possible, which maybe not so much in some of those abstract, we, Brady and I are more domestic travelers. <laughs> so we're like at a condo or an Airbnb or something like that. And um, the big thing that I see as an Achilles heel, especially as a mom for Stella, is getting greens into her. Um, because one of the only ways that we can get greens into her is through smoothies. You know, she she's kind of on a little jag where she used to do a little bit of spinach salad here and there, but probably a restaurant ordered salad would be a little bit acidic for her. She's just two now. So um, we like to do greens in her post-nap smoothie. So she does get about at least two cups of greens every day. But we have found more and more and more now 
higher quality smoothie bars that we're able to find with travel. And then I just make up what I want because usually if you order them off of the menu, they might add even like a concentrate or a protein powder I'm not pumped about. Um, and so I'll travel with the individual collagen sticks and then just specifically order, for instance, I just did when we returned from the airport um, at uh, Juice Land, um, kale, half an avocado, coconut oil, um, coconut water as the base, and um, let's see, what did I add? I think half banana for her, and uh, blueberries. And so, you know, I was able to kind of do that and then just throw in a collagen pack, and that was perfect because she didn't like the protein I ordered for her at the restaurant. It was too seasoned, you know, so sometimes that happens. Um, but I like to have the capability of doing smoothies and um, it's a great way to get in greens and to kind of max out on some of those like superfoods. And I tend to travel with a couple different packs to help to modify that. Like now there's all the individual artisana nut packs. Yes. And um, I love the Trader Joe's coconut oil packs. I love the fourth and heart ghee. So I now don't have to travel with containers for my keto coffee. I can just bring one of the ghee packs, one of the coconut oil packs. And if I wanted to do a big day of exploring, I might add collagen to it to really kind of hold me over. Um, otherwise, I'll just do the ghee and coconut oil. And then I have those packs to add in to Stella's uh, smoothies and such. Um, but I find that, that that makes everything super convenient and still allows me to focus on getting that nutrient density. Yes, for sure. And yeah, smoothie bars are great for adults traveling too. And, and it kind of saves you the time of having to stop and sit down and find a restaurant if you can navigate a place that does have a good juice or smoothie type shop. Yeah. And if I'm not doing uh, carb cycling, um, and sometimes I will be strategic in that sense too, like you were saying about allowing yourself to explore the cuisine and what have you. Everyone listening and everyone in this process is at a different entrance point to kind of choose your own adventure. Like three years ago, I would have probably, if I was in, um, you know, I don't know, Italy or whatever, totally indulged in flatbread or pasta or something like that. Today, the cost to benefit ratio of me having gluten is not in my favor. <laughs> and um, I would be distended, bloated potentially dealing with chronic constipation, which makes me cranky and not a fun travel companion. <laughs> um, so I probably right now, even with the use of digestive enzymes, wouldn't go there. But that's not to say that that's a good or a bad thing. It's just right now where I am in my body and right now where I am with my personal food relationships. Um, but I will say that during travel and at certain regions, I may determine like if I'm in Napa, I know I'm going to be drinking more wine. I might plan on carb cycling during that time because if I'm drinking more wine, it's going to be more liver distressing and I kind of need something to offset that. So I might cycle carbs in and then, you know, go tight into keto following that trip again. And, and I think that that's reasonable as well. So it's kind of about listening to ourselves and recognizing the cost of benefit ratios there might be another month that I would find myself in the same location and I just don't feel like cycling carbs and I would stay really tight keto and I'd keep it within six to eight ounces of wine a day and, and that's fine too. So it's just about kind of checking in and, and not maintaining too rigid of rules, but being intuitive and connected with how you make your body feel with the choices that you make that I think are extremely important. Yes, I 100% agree. And I think I'm in the same boat. We've both had some <laughs> terrible gluten 
mm-hmm. travel stories in the last year or so. So I, uh, we haven't been to Italy or Spain or anywhere that it would be like a huge deal to have to have right. the bread or the pasta. But when we get there, I will probably just skip it. <laughs> you know. um, so let's, let's jump into some of these common pitfalls that um, we see as the biggest hits when we are traveling and talk about strategies and ways to avoid them. Um, so I'd say the first one we, we've kind of already hit, but just kind of this idea of I'm on vacation, I'm going to just indulge and do whatever I want, this total checkout and you know, totally off the rails. Yeah, that would be the first dichotomous approach of all or nothing. Right. And I think that ultimately you listeners are intuitive and connected enough with your body where it's not worth it. Um, I always say that, you know, going from mediocre to shitty (laughs) isn't that big of a step. But if you're coming into this travel from awesome to shitty, it's a huge leap or a huge drop. And the last thing you want to do is be in a new space and not feel good in your body. If you're dealing with inflammation or swelling or a headache or changes in bowels and whatnot, it's going to influence the way that you explore a new area. And like I said, um, you know, your attitude and your energy and your mood as you're exploring these new areas, which you want to be feeling in this thrive mode. So it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. You may choose again, based on where you are in your own personal roadmap. There's no judgment at all on my end. Um, you may choose to indulge on a flatbread. You may choose to indulge on grass fed gelato. You may choose to indulge on, um, I don't know, roasted potatoes or whatever it is. Um, And it's just about checking yourself with how you feel and then recalibrating your decisions the following day based off that. If you wake up feeling awesome and you had an amazing night, you might make a similar decision the following night. Um, If you wake up feeling bloated and fatigued and yuck, you might want to double down on enzymes and probiotics and then keep things a little bit tighter that following morning or make sure that you maybe practice a longer fast that following morning to help your body's metabolism and um, increase on things that help your body to detox, uh, making sure you're getting more leafy greens and um, more fibrous vegetables like Brussels and such and being maybe a little bit tighter and strategic on that following day. So it doesn't have to be all or nothing, and um, you can have optimal, and you can have good, and you can have decent, um, but it doesn't have to be great and terrible and and be kind of on or off switch type of approach. 100% agree. And, you know, if it is the gelato that makes you really feel like you're on vacation, then have the gelato and enjoy it and don't feel guilty about it. For sure. For sure. And what's cool is, again, when you're dealing with quality, you should, and and as you're more in tune with your body, you should feel really satiated with that first like five to eight bites where you don't need to have an amount that even is going to have a huge influence on your blood sugar or have a huge influence on your metabolism um, or on your body's overall intake so that you might not even experience any, you likely will not even experience any weight gain per se, um, or negative ramifications, but still get that indulgence like experience. Sure. And then let's, um, dive in a little bit more into the, the gluten exposure that we referenced. Cause this is definitely a big one depending on whether it's domestic travel. I feel like the U S most places have it down. If you ask for gluten-free they know what to do. Although there's so many 
hidden lurking sources of gluten as you've experienced recently. Oh my gosh. Yes. Every time, every time I travel to Wisconsin, um, <laughs> I know it's like, I, I always am like, I'm going to get glutened. Oh my gosh. Um, and so I always double down on GI lining powder. I take a scoop at bed every night anyway, but I take a scoop in the morning every time I'm traveling in the Midwest. I also take about five to six or seven digestate enzymes um, to really ensure I'm getting that DPP-4, which breaks down the gluteomorphine compound. And then of course, is gonna help with the um, wide array of enzymes and hydrochloric acid and bile to help with absorption and breakdown of fats, carbs, and proteins across the board. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was at a uh, wedding event and had written gluten-free on my thing. And um, I was grabbing some, uh, it was like a taco bar type deal. So I was grabbing shredded chicken, avocado, and um, salsa. I obviously, and I didn't grab any corn tortillas, not worth it to me. So I wasn't grabbing any tortillas or any chips. I was going to eat the guac with my fork with my protein and dip it in salsa. And that was going to be good. I was fine. Um, and I had a glass of uh, Chardonnay. And, um, the woman, the, the, one of the chefs comes over to me and says, Oh, well, but we do use taco seasoning, which has wheat flour in it. Mm. I was like, what? Um, so yeah, I was already too deep in. I was like trying to like rinse off the meat. Um, anyway, so that has happened. Um, I was at my grandma's funeral and everyone was drinking Bloody Marys and I luckily asked ahead the server said no. I asked to see because I knew they weren't making a fresh Bloody Mary mix. So I already was like, I'm not going to have one. It probably has high fructose corn syrup in it anyway. But then I was kind of trying to be like, it's again, it's the emotional thing of do I participate with the camaraderie because everyone is doing it and this is family and this is like, you know, grandma's celebration. Um, and so I checked the bottle though and it for sure beyond the soy sauce having wheat it also had flour added in the mix as a stabilizer and filler in a Bloody Mary. Um, so like who would think an alcoholic beverage would have right. gluten in it? Um, it. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it's just, it seems constant and, and it is so ubiquitous that, um, you know, beyond the obvious of removing the roll, removing the bun and things like that, um, removing the carb based choices, um, really being mindful in a lot of the seasoning packs and the sauces and such, and really advocating for yourself and simplifying things down to single ingredients tends to be the best approach. Sure. And even back in our gluten episode, which was episode... I don't know, but I yeah, don't to try it. to do yeah. it. <laughs> no, I'm like my, my brain's not working that way. It was in the seventies. Yeah. Back in our episode, um, are you still eating gluten? We talk about other hidden sources like, you know, gluten getting mixed into your flour, getting mixed into like a scrambled egg mixture or an omelet or something like that, or dusted on, you know, home fries or potatoes and things that you don't expect. So what's your strategy, Allie, in terms of asking and ordering and menu navigation there. Yeah. So I get really frustrated when you ask a server and they're like, Oh, they kind of think through the item and they're like, no, there shouldn't be any gluten in that. Right. Like, no, <laughs> that didn't make me feel confident <laughs> at all, sir. Um, so if the restaurant doesn't have coding, I literally hand my menu to the server and I say, will you please talk to the chef and have them mark everything that is gluten-free? Um, and you know, then there's the whole thing of, 
I, I go back and forth about, you know, because I'm not celiac, but I do have quite a sensitivity um, of, you know, whether I will mark it as one or the other, because sometimes, for instance, if I want flash fried br Brussels sprouts, and they don't have anything gluten containing, meaning that they don't use soy sauce, they use tamari or they use coconut aminos or they just use like a sesame oil or something, you know, non-related to wheat at all. Um, but they're flash fried in the same fryer. I tend to not have any issues there. Um, so I go back and forth of whether I mention it as a sensitivity or, or an allergy. Um, it just kind of depends on how respectful the server is <laughs> and kind of my read on them and how, how attention to detail they're taking it. Um, but I've gotten uh, somewhat aggressive in that sense of, of just looking at them being like, okay, I appreciate that. Would you also make sure that you double check and just bring this menu to, you know, your chef and, and check off the items? Um, because I've had some bad dining experiences in the past and, you know, don't want to be in pain. Um, and usually I, I, I also sometimes preface it, especially if I'm on the route of MRT. Now, this episode is not about navigating if you're doing an elimination diet or an inflammatory food panel that's when things become really specific where you need to order what you want. You know, like I would like a half of an avocado with some sliced tomatoes and two poached eggs poached in water. And then you have your Casadrino's olive oil pack in your purse. <laughs> you put that over your avocado and tomatoes um, and you use salt and pepper and you're good to go. Um, you know, at that, at that time, you really need to ask specifically for what you want. Um, but if you're just working with clean eating, generally speaking, I think enough menu navigation and asking of questions can, can be enough to get good outcomes. Yes. And then as you mentioned, doubling down on both GI lining and digestives, we were at lunch recently. We had like five supplements on our table and did an Instagram yeah. story of it. Like this is just our life. And I'm pretty sure I went through like half a bottle of digestive between all of us in one weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Dining out. Yeah, because <laughs> well, and it's not the norm to eat out for two meals a day. Mm -hmm. And so you're just kind of being preemptive. I'd rather get ahead of things than behind. And it's always better to give your body what it needs in higher demand. And um, again, continue feeling awesome. So that's always a good thing. And I think that takes us to our next uh, thing, which is alcohol consumption. So the other thing that tends to circulate in yes. heavier amounts <laughs> when um, socializing and such is uh, ultimate detox. Um, so Ultimate Detox is a fantastic supplement that we talked about in uh, two episodes ago, episode 84, on uh, keto and detox, or basically why detox is important with fat loss. And um, the Ultimate Detox plays a role in phase two detox pathways, so at, in the encapsulation and excretion or removal of toxins. So alcohol, be that it is water-soluble generally does detox quite easily with phase one emphasis as far as coming out um, the water-soluble compounds being carried through the liver, filtered through the kidneys, out through urine. Um, and generally speaking, when you're choosing and dining out, you should choose when you're on vacation, I feel, always a daily indulgence. So whether that is going to be the gelato or whether that's going to be a second glass of wine or cocktail or what have you, I think that it's reasonable to include an indulgence, but you can't choose one from all categories <laughs> if you want to feel successful. Um, so it's important to kind of think through the process. And then if doing alcohol drinks, I find that alcohol mixed with sugar is a really bad um, hit for me, especially if I get glutened as well. It's like the trifecta of death. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I really have to be very strategic 
Um, if I am ordering a cocktail, I'll always ask that they remove the simple syrup or the agave. Um, I tend to do more of like a SoCal, I call them SoCal, SoCal Margs, where it's just basically um, instead of like a vodka soda water, it's a tequila soda water and a lime with salt on the rim. Um, and that's something that can be really nice. Um, or I tend to stick with wine and that's usually a safe bet as well. Champagne or wine. And um, I've recently been on a little bit of a champagne kick um, because it's celebratory and fun and um, it is quite low carb and um, it's one that I tend to metabolize just fine. So um, that's kind of the rule there. And, and if I'm doing that, then that means that that dinner is going to look like a steak and Brussels sprouts and then maybe two drinks. And that was my indulgence in the alcohol. Yes. It still feels so, you know, satiating yeah. and like you really did. You indulged and got your fancy champagne and yeah. yummy protein, not missing out on, you know, chocolate cake or something like that. No. And again, it's a choose your own adventure. If that's your thing, maybe that's your thing and that's fine. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, what about, um, let's talk a little bit, cause I think we'll talk sourcing when we talk more menu navigation. So we'll skip that for now. But, um, what about just some of your favorite hacks or products to pack for travel? So as you're getting ready for Aruba, what's going in that suitcase? Yeah. So I have a lot of, um, protein sticks. So uh, I have a lot of chomps um, right now. Stella loves that we were when we were at the Houston Zoo. Stella ate an entire um, turkey stick from them, which is a really nice, more mild flavor profile. It has um, eight uh, to ten grams of protein per stick, and um, less than a gram of carb. And a lot of meat sticks get really like what I call hyper flavored. Um, so I really like that line because it's a little bit more mellow. They do have a jalapeno beef, but, um, you know, that one's okay for Brady and I, but obviously not for Stella. Um, so the chomps sticks or whatever your grass fed, um, protein sticks are of choice. Um, so they could be like a Buffalo, uh, stick. Um, the Epic bars can be a good choice, but some of those do get a little bit higher sugar. So being mindful of that. Um, but I always have a good, like at least one a day for all of us choice of different meat sticks. <laughs> because if sourcing, I know we said we'd talk about it later, but if good quality sourcing isn't available, I know that I can control that and I can order like just a vegetable based salad and um, then I can compensate with the protein stick. So that's a really good staple for sure. And then I mentioned the um, vital proteins, collagen sticks. I love those for travel for both Stella or I, whether I'm adding it to my keto coffee or whether I'm adding it to a smoothie that I picked up for her or had made. And then um, along those lines, I like the uh, packs of uh, nut butters and fat. So the F-bombs line is awesome. Um, they also have like pure MCT oil. I was at a wedding in Florida and definitely did one of those before the wedding um, because I wanted something to hold me over and wasn't sure if any of the appetizers would fit my needs. Um, so I just did uh, 200 calories of MCT oil in a really handy little pack. Um, and then the individual packets of oil so that if they're serving mystery salad dressings, which often happens, <laughs> which also mm -hmm. could have gluten in them and just gunk like added sugars and whatnot. So I'll, just, yeah. common. Yeah. So I'll just take my individual olive oil pack and ask for them to bring me red wine vinegar or balsamic vinegar or lemon wedges. And, um, and I just try to ask for fresh ground pepper and salt. And that's what I'll do on a salad always. Um, so all of those individual packs are great. I keep those. Luckily now I have a diver bag in tow. So throwing all those things in there. 
And um, other things that we love for travel are uh, chicharrones or uh, pork skins. Now those do take up a little bit more room in the bag. So usually that's more like a plain snack um, or I can only bring a couple bags. But I do love those by Epic, the Himalayan pink salt. Um, and um, along that vein, I've been really into the seaweed snacks, the sea snacks crunchers, um, which also take up a little bit more space, but you can fit a lot of them into one pack. Um, so a good kind of salty umami flavor profile to snack on and a good way to get iodine and chlorophyll and leafy greens in per se. Um, and also good option for Stella that she likes the lime one a lot. And I always argue that, you know, these things are going to take up a lot of way, a lot of room on the way to our destination. However, I know I'm going to eat them. And then we have more room to buy fun things on our trip. To there bring you go. Back. There you go. For I sure. That makes it better or worse for Byron. <laughs> I usually, I mean, I don't have a child and I still have a huge carry on that is filled with food. I've gotten definitely some TSAs, sideways looks, but they always let me through with this stuff. You just yeah. have to be mindful of that, you know, size if it's a liquid, but all good. Yeah. Uh, and I, then, I'll, yeah. I was to say, I also bring her, especially on the plane now that she's not breastfeeding, um, dried mango. Brittany eats that too. Yeah. Um, dried mango is a favorite um, because the chew of it is very helpful while we're going up and down. Um, so that really helps to release any of that air pressure for her. Um, and then along that vein, she also likes RX bars a lot. So we'll bring a couple of those with the egg white protein, which is a pretty clean choice. And then if she needs any sort of like a salty crunchy, I've been taking simple Mills crackers um, and just taking them out of the box and putting them in like a small Ziploc. Um, because if she's around other kids, every kid, I swear, still eats goldfish. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that's like a nice like cracker. Simple Mills uses almond flour and is really clean. And so that's something that Steli can eat. I have a little like container that she uh, is able to kind of like put her hand through and and self feed um, at a slower pace. Um, And I'll do that sometimes with like a mix of the um, crisps or like the Parmesan crisps, which those I indulge in um, as well as a good option for like a salty crunchy. Um, and let's see what else. I just jumped on our Amazon store. Right. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, all the things. To say the Amazon store is a really good place. Um, yeah. And then we have a, a blog post um, that contains our favorite keto and non-keto or low glycemic options for travel as well that I'll link to. But what else is in the Amazon store that looks amazing? I know. I'm <laughs> passing through. Um, our olive packs are really great too, oh, yeah. the individual olive packs. I always like to travel with a bar of dark chocolate as well um, because if I feel like I'm watching friends or family, like um, one of the weddings we went to that the servers were very cool about our paleo, low carb diet. Um, the server, uh, offered me, they must've known something, I guess. Um, the server said, because I think they brought, oh, Stella had some fruit as a starter. Um, they had this lobster Mac truffle starter, uh, for the adults. So I was like, I would just like the piece of lobster that would go on top. You know, it was like less than an ounce, <laughs> but I was like, I'll just take that piece of lobster, please. I, you know, I, I want to make sure that it's gluten-free and I don't want any of the mac and cheese obviously below it. Um, and then at the end of the meal, they said, oh, during the cake ceremony, um, if you want, I can just bring you some berries and heavy whipping cream and we don't add any sweetener. It's just whipped full fat cream and vanilla. 
And I was like, yes, <laughs> it was really just like so amazing and nice to have that indulgence. Um, and you know, I mean, I don't know, long night, nice to have like a little treat and still stay tight keto. Cause that was not a time that I was carb cycling. Um, and then the other thing, the reason I like the dark chocolate also is like for those times that you feel like you're navigating, giving up so much and watching other people, it sometimes is nice, like in the hotel room or wherever you're staying to just have a square, um, just like a little kind of treat that still keeps you within your goals and guidelines. So that's something I like to travel with in my carry on. So it doesn't melt of course, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but that's a good staple too. Um, yeah. And then there's, we have like, um, individual, uh, pistachio packs, individual packs of olives, a whole different array of bars and such. So check it out. The Amazon store is just amazon.com backslash shop backslash Allie Miller RD. And you can click all of our favorite things. Yeah. Throw them in your cart and be ready for your next trip, which is absolutely. I'm going to have to hit that up before I start packing for Scotland. Um, so what about, um, favorite tricks for packing? Like, do you pack, I want to hear about your supplement game. Um, (laughs) Do you pack all of the supplements? What are your tricks for kind of condensing that load and how do you prioritize like which formulas to bring? Oh, it's not a very good trick because one of my pharmacist clients, (laughs) I Instagram storied my supplement game and she was like, oh my gosh, I'm having a heart attack. Um, (laughs) Well, she said a pharmacist nightmare. Um, (laughs) So what I do (laughs) is I take my multi-defense, my super turmeric, my EPA, DHA, my ultimate detox, I'm trying to think of the rest of them, my adaptogen boost and my adrenal support all in one bottle. <laughs> I just can't, cause they all look very different, very different. Um, so, and, oh, sorry. And my calm and clear, all of those go in one bottle, generally speaking. And so what I'll do is I'll just kind of count out the quantity. So if I'm doing like two super turmeric, two multi-defense, four of my calm and clear, yada, yada, yada. And I know like flat yellow tablet, adrenal support, whatever. Um, so I usually bring those all in one bottle. Um, which I know I need, you should share your tip next, Becky. I will. Way better. <laughs> um, but that's just my real life answer. And then I take my, uh, sleep support and my two probiotics and, um, ultimate de- Oh, the ultimate detox lives there and the ultimate detox in another bottle. And those all look very different as well. Um, and so my targeted strength probiotic and my rebuild spectrum probiotic, one's green, one's white. And then the sleep support is like a brown tablet. And then the ultimate detox is a different sized white capsule. Um, so those all go in the other one. And then I bring my powders <laughs> and I've been doing this and TSA has not even given me a look, which is wild. Um, I used to travel with the full tubs, but I think the one time I did check my bag with the tub, I think TSA did open it because I ended up with relax and regulate white sticky powder all over everything. And oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> So I now just scoop out the amount of scoops I need and travel with Ziploc baggies of GI lining powder and relax and regulate and just bring the scoop in one of them. Um, And that's been working totally fine in my carry-on. And I think that's pretty much everything. So I'm bringing about like 10 to 11 or 12 different supplement products and then quantities of somewhere between two to four of each of them per day. And I just kind of count it out and try to bring at max four total bottles and then the Ziploc baggies. That's not too dissimilar from what I do. I mean, sometimes we will travel for longer lengths of time. So, you know, the bottle doesn't cut it or I get confused about what's in there. Um, or for, for clients who don't know 
the exact look and shape of every supplement that you're taking, you may want to do a different strategy. So the other thing that I'll do, um, I have a little seven day um, supplement organizer that I'll link to. I believe it's in our Amazon store. If not, I'll add it there. Um, yeah, we should. It's, um, it has four compartments per day. So you can do the morning, mid morning, afternoon and evening, or however you want to, you know, um, parse them out. I still think I end up taking, I do my bookend ones separately from that, but I at least put like the daytime that I would need if I were to go on, let's say a 12 hour excursion, what I'd need for that day. And what's cool about this particular organizer is you can pop out the individual days. So I can take Monday with me in my purse and leave, you know, Tuesday through Sunday in the hotel where it's safe and temperature controlled. And then I have that whole day and you know, as long as the thing is empty, I know I took my supplements that day. Yeah. Um, Or the other thing I'll do is just do um, individual baggies of like the formulas by time of day. So like my multi and my super turmeric and things I take with meal go in one bag. And then, you know, I know that I need two of those and two of those and kind of parse it out that way. Um, And then I'll take with me, maybe my adrenal support and calm and clear and digested gets its own baggie because that goes everywhere <laughs> when I Yeah, talk. I was just going to say, I yeah. keep digested. That's the only one that I stash in multiple places. Yeah. So I don't keep that in one of those mixes. Um, I keep those in the diaper bag, especially when I'm traveling with Stella because she's with me at all meals. Um, and then I also keep a couple um, in a Ziploc in my purse. Um, and, and they have the little, we should also link those like small bags. Yes. Yeah. Of those in the store to help you guys and get, give you a, a direct resource. And then let's talk a little bit about, so for me, my travel is less adventurous <laughs> than yours, Becky. Yeah. Um, but I still tend to travel with berberine boost mm-hmm. um, because if I travel, like I said, I might be looser on alcohol. So I might have a little bit more alcohol or I might be looser on carbs. And you know, those of you that have followed my health story and know as far as like fertility and whatnot, I had to do um, candida cleanse and I've had history of yeast overgrowth in my body. I like to always be on top of that. And so I will always bring berberine boost. Um, And berberine is a great antifungal, but also antibacterial and antiviral. So if I am doing a little bit um, higher carb day or I feel bloated or distended, or, um, you know, things are just off. I definitely take that. And then if I'm doing any camping, um, and we are like, even with our Yeti cooler, but like packing meats in or things like that. And I'm concerned at all about any possible contamination or foodborne illness. I like to bring that, uh, berberine boost. And then, um, I, like I said, I'm taking both probiotics for sure. And I've had the question a lot about probiotics that are refrigerated or whatnot. So we do ship our probiotics on ice but they are safe up to 112 degrees Fahrenheit. So what you should do is just count out the amount of days that you need of your probiotic and just travel with that amount and keep it on your carry-on and don't worry about popping it in and out of the fridge during your travel. Just keep it room temperature. In fact, I keep my probiotics room temperature at all times because I'm not a compliant patient otherwise. (laughs) You know, the only way I'm going to really get it in every night at bed is if I keep it on my nightstand. And I feel like they're absolutely still 110% viable because I never let my house get above 80 degrees. Um, Otherwise, I would be sweaty and uncomfortable. Um, So those are important for immune health. Um, The berberine boost can help with the viral and bacterial and also yeast potential flares during travel. And then elderberry is another one that, especially during cold and flu season, I will travel with it as a liquid. Um, I haven't decided yet about Aruba 
I know that we're starting it though three days pre-travel and three days post um, where we'll do elderberry syrup just to support our immune system from all of the exposure to just immune distress. Yeah, that's a liquid that if that broke in your checked baggage, you would be. Yeah, I know. I'm like, ah, and I still have to look at all the like legal stuff. I haven't traveled out sure. of the country in like seven or 10 years. So we have to figure out all of that, I guess, too. You should be just fine because I've never had no, any issues no. with the supplements. They just give you a crossways look when you're like carrying bags of white powder. I'm like, you can open it. I label them with a Sharpie at least. And like, very official. Yep. Yeah, right. Um, and then I would say the berberine for sure, when we do international travels, so like Vietnam, I was popping those pretty much at every meal just because you never know about yeah. food and water Pathogens, quality. Yeah. yeah. And so knock on wood, like I've traveled to, you know, several, a handful of places where foodborne illness is kind of rampant. We've eaten street food sometimes um, and done just fine. And then other people that we're traveling with or people we run into always end up getting some kind of horrible GI distress. So I feel like whatever we're doing is working really well. And and I make sure those probiotics are on hand as well. Um, And then I would add to the list just as like a kind of stocking your pharmacy just in case, especially if you're in a country where you don't know what the medical care is or like you don't know access to pharmacies where they're going to be. Um, activated charcoal is one that I always keep on hand. I really haven't had to use per se, um, but a good one to keep on hand if there is like a foodborne illness concern for sure. Yep. And that's one that we've talked about. I forget what episode it was, but be mindful that you use activated charcoal in the presence of yes. toxins, not as a, again, or during international travel for a short period of time or during a camping trip, again, those types of avenues, because it is to chelate and to basically block absorption. So that would be good if exposed to toxins directly or pathogens, but you don't want to take that preemptively on a daily basis because that will bind minerals and drive electrolyte instability and uh, mineral deficiencies. Yes. And then, um, I also make sure those coconut oil travel pack that Ali was referencing, I do those for topical as well. If you do run into a weird rash or um, a cut or something like that, so you can kind of self-treat or sunburn, they're great for too, actually. For sure. Absolutely. Just uh, don't put it on before you go in the sun. <laughs> right. Right. Because then you will magnify. Really? It has an SPF of four, Ali, though. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> But that does not protect you for very long. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, And then let's circle back and talk just about finding restaurants and kind of a little bit on menu navigation and how you pick where you're going to eat and what you do, you know, if the place that you're eating is kind of out of your control or you're not the one making the reservation. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So when I'm in control, which I much prefer... (laughs) What? Brady would never know that. Uh, When I like to be, when I am in control, I love using just like the Yelp app and I search the term farm to table. And then, you know, I filter it based on needs of like open now or whatever. And that's actually a really great way because I've I've found the word organic is not a good word to search with with Yelp. In fact, I think it's Burger King that always comes up. Some fast food joint. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've seen that too. Something's like messed up with the algorithm. So farm to table 
tends to be good um, and tends to align with restaurants that have more local sourcing. And generally speaking, that also means that they're more conscious of across the board, the ingredients that are used and also catering to a more health conscious um, or health minded audience. Um, and so they're going to be mindful of things like gluten and, you know, lower carb options and have more, uh, vegetable uh, oriented dishes and then you know the grass-fed and pasture-raised proteins if the uh, restaurant option doesn't have good quality proteins and what i love to see on a menu is when they actually list their sourcing like um you know this is from jolly creek farms in this area of this state or whatever um, that really gives me peace of mind when there's that direct farm identification and um is a, a priority and, and something I really like. And I really feel that I vote with my dollar. So that's something I like to support is restaurants that are sourcing and supporting local farmers and producers. Um, if that's not the case, and um, then I tend to, like I said, choose vegetarian or pescatarian option. Um, and I'm always swapping out grains for greens. Um, and so let's think of some examples here. Um, so if we're doing like uh, tacos, for instance, I would likely choose a uh, shrimp taco or a white fish taco. I always ask what kind of fish. A lot of restaurants now are doing more of the mahi-mahi over tilapia, which is great. Um, you know, even if they're not doing like, amazing sourcing, you can get like a mahi-mahi white fish and I would ask for it uh, grilled instead of fried if they do it fried. Um, and then uh, I will ask for it in a cabbage cup or I'll let them bring me it on a corn tortilla just to ensure I don't have the flour and then just dump it out. Um, and do it on extra slaw. And then I would sub out, I would say no rice, no beans. Can you bring me extra fajita vegetables? And then um, I would do guac with a fork on that. Yes. So that's going <laughs> to work guac really nice. Key. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's going to work really nice and be a way to kind of navigate like a conventional Mexican restaurant where I wouldn't want to have maybe their pork or beef or something like that. Um, and then, like I said, otherwise I might choose a salad as an entree and, um, you know, navigate the toppings. So I might do uh, artichoke hearts and cherry tomatoes and like a Greek salad, let's say in general. So there's maybe going to be cucumber and a little bit of feta and olives and all those things. And then I'll do no protein. Um, and then I will have that. Um, I might have a glass of wine if I'm feeling a little bit like I need an indulgence. And then I will have my beef stick after that meal and feel great about that. Um, and the biggest thing is really when you look at the menu, figuring out, you know, where can you swap out the, the low carb approach and where do you want to indulge and then kind of strategizing that. Um, I've been known to order a, a bolognese sauce after confirming at, at a good quality restaurant. So we went to this one, um, uh, it was like a farm to table Italian restaurant and they were like, oh, we make all of our pastas in, from house and scratch, uh, in-house from scratch. And, um, you know, I was like, yeah, I just, I just still don't want to mess around with that. Um, but, but what I would like, cause they had like really good quality ground pork and ground beef and ground lamb, I think all in their bolognese. And it's, it was like cooked for 36 hours and just sounded yeah. like amazing. And I was like, I would like that. And I see that this dish comes with roasted vegetables. Could you provide me a bed of roasted vegetables with bolognese? And they totally did it. And it was literally amazing. Um, and so, you know, don't be afraid to specifically ask for what you want and channel to the flavors that sound, you know, appealing to you and work with your own specific food rules and then ask for what you need to fill the void of what you've removed strategically. 
Yes. And know that every meal may not, like Ali said, the salad without protein. Yes. That's not something we would prescribe as like your daily lunch per se, you know, in a non-travel time, but know that you'll make up for it elsewhere. You have those chopsticks, or maybe you can do hard boiled eggs or something in your hotel room, or uh, even smoked salmon is a good one for travel. If it comes in a small enough package that um, it's a single serving. So you don't want to be messing with fish juices in your, yeah. your purse, but I've been known to do that as well. Yeah. Like, are you insane? I was at a concert and everyone was tailgating and I had a can of skipjack yep. <laughs> dumped yep. into a half of an avocado with a plastic fork. Yep. <laughs> and everyone was like tailgating and like drinking beers and whatever. And I was like, Hey guys. Um, so, you know, you just do you and that's the most important thing. And, um, I've also been known to do a lot of grass-fed burgers. Luckily, that's become a little bit more mainstream or at least like a buffalo burger option at many restaurants. Um, just bunless burger. And then I swap out the, the fries with a salad um, and I add avocado, maybe even a fried egg. Um, and, and that's been really satisfying and an easy kind of staple go-to. Yes. And back to what you were saying about the tailgating, we actually will travel with sardines and oysters as well, like canned little... Yeah oysters as a protein option. And those are small enough that it is single serving. You might get some sideways looks if you eat it on a plane, but Hey, I mean, (laughs) you do you. Yep, exactly. Awesome. And then I will add, um, if traveling somewhere with a language barrier, just kind of my last little tip, I always learn ahead of time how to say that I'm actually allergic because other countries a sensitivity just doesn't necessarily translate. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So I learned how to say I'm allergic to gluten or even um, I'm just allergic to wheat um, if they don't have a word for gluten because I've been some places that sure. they don't. Sure. Um, and I also learned how to say no sugar, please. So oh. in, in Thai, you say my sai nam tam. And that means I don't want sugar syrup in everything. <laughs> in my coffee. <laughs> in my coffee. Oh, they put it in everything. Coffee, cocktails. It's like the sweeter, the better. So you want to have those like staple phrases, especially if it is like a pretty severe sensitivity or allergy. And you can write them down if you're not sure how to say it in the local language. Or um, there are even apps that you can use to like translate on the spot as well. Awesome. Yeah, just just a tip for when you go to Thailand, Allie. <laughs> oh yeah, it's on my list. Awesome. Um, and then staying keto with traveling, I think that we've pretty much covered this pretty well. Any other like last little tips for? The only thing I was trying to find was what is that company that we saw? Was it just called Fat Coffee? Oh, we really liked it. It was very clean. That's it was individual. Cool. Yeah. I, think I was- followed them on Instagram. I'm looking it up as we speak. So okay. Well, you tell them about it. And I'll yeah. And, and we'll add it to our Amazon store too, because I don't think it's in there yet. But, um, you know, Becky and I were laughing about how, yes, we both do travel with our ghee and our coconut oil and then our little wands, our little immersion blenders that are handheld. And I like that. That's like a ritual. And, you know, that works well for me. I do like to intermittent fast with traveling because it's less to worry about, you know, one less meal to navigate. Um, so sometimes I'll intermittent fast in the evening, um, because breakfast tends to be very easy to navigate, you know, doing a vegetarian omelet at a place that's lower quality and making sure that they use real eggs, um, is usually pretty doable. 
Um, or I'll do like my keto coffee in the morning and, you know, break the fast at noon. And then I'm only, again, either way, I'm eating two meals, period. Um, so that really helps. And then even within that, one might be an actual meal at a restaurant. The other one might be a meal of a smorgasbord from my travel snacks. But there is a product that we found at, uh-huh. It's called Fat Fuel Company. Okay. And um, yeah, we, we tried their stuff at Paleo FX and it's very clean. It's literally just organic dehydrated or organic ground coffee beans and um, dried uh, ghee, right? Or grass-fed butter and Those coconut. Butter and coconut oil. Yeah. But super clean. And we were literally like, oh, well, this just would make life a lot easier if need be um, or for longer travel or whatever. Um, so we'll link that too. So it is a like a fat-fueled latte type deal. Um, and it, I, my favorite part about it was a lot of the products on the market have a sweetener in it. And this one did not. So this had the MCTs and the uh, CLAs and the coffee without um, – the like monk fruit or stevia and things like that. And super easy to do. You can do it iced too, which is awesome option. Yes. That saves the time of usually what I do is I send Byron out to go find coffee somewhere. And then I wait in the hotel room with my blender ready or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it saves that step. Um, yeah. And yeah, the, the intermittent fasting, I feel like works so well for travel because it's conducive to a, you're saving some time so you can go and do other things and have yeah. an excursion during the day. Maybe you do a super early breakfast and then a later dinner because that's the norm in that country anyway. Um, but you save time, money, and save some calories to boot. So yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. And that's also what's advantageous of being fat fueled is that you don't deal with hunger. <laughs> so, you know, that's one of the biggest successes we hear from people in our keto programs and just clients in general, when we're redefining our relationship with food is that, you know, you don't feel that running up a downhill escalator of temptation for every suite that you encounter on your travels, you know, so you can literally be sitting at a cafe in Paris, watching a friend munch down some macaroons or a chocolate croissant and feeling completely fine with your espresso. Um, and it's like, that's when you know you have true food freedom. If you're really over muscling it, you have to figure out how to come to peace with what you're going to indulge in. But the idea is that over time, you're so connected with your body and how your body feels and how your body feels running on fat that it's not worth that deviation. Awesome. I love it. Um, so we'll post all the links to all of the products as well as our Amazon store and all our fun travel hacks. Um, let's jump into a couple of listener questions. If you're ready, Allie, I'm going to fire okay. these away. Yeah. All right, let's do it. I think we got time for two. Perfect. Um, so first one comes from Julie in Michigan and I'll just read the entire question. It's a long one, but a good okay. one. So you talk a lot about supporting your body's ability to naturally detox. Is completing your detox program with diet and supplements or even diet alone safe to do during pregnancy or breastfeeding? Is it safe to detox immediately prior to pregnancy or is there a certain amount of time that should be allowed as a safe window? Since detoxing would allow the stored toxins in your body to be released and thus be exposed to the baby through breast milk or the placenta, when's the best time to safely detox? What do you recommend for breastfeeding women and women trying to get pregnant who want to detox? Oh, that's a great question. And yes, unfortunately, the passing of toxins does cross into placenta and breast milk at high amounts. In fact, one of the quickest ways to quote unquote detox is having a baby. You actually pass a lot of that on to babe. And we've seen, um, I think it was 
the environmental workers group that did a study on the umbilical cord blood of infants and they saw over 212 industrialized chemicals on average. Um, so that's not the goal is passing those toxins to babe through that incubation period. Ideal would be detoxing prior. Um, detox supplements would not be safe during pregnancy or during breastfeeding, but you could absolutely consume our 10-day detox food protocol because these are just nourishing real food recipes, focusing on things like leafy greens, cruciferous vegetables, turmeric, lemon. Now, turmeric on high dose, um, so like if you're using a turmeric supplement, um, would not be sound until you're getting past the 36-week mark um, because it can create onset of early contractions. Um, but turmeric in the diet in variety of different recipe forms would likely still be appropriate as long as you're not exceeding a total of a teaspoon of turmeric every single day. So the recipes in my protocol would totally be appropriate. I would just say if pregnant, you may not want to be restricting as much as you would if non-pregnant or breastfeeding. But you will get the biggest bang for your buck on a biochemical level and a nutritional level to actually use the detox support packs within your 10-day detox protocol. And that should be done once you've weaned um, or three months prior to conception. So if you're looking at getting pregnant you know, in the fall, you should be doing your detox sometime in June or July um, so that you really have an optimized environment. And that's going to also help to, to improve fertility um, chances. So I think it's a great question. I hope that that's helpful um, support. And um, yes, three months prior to conception will be the kind of deadline as far as detox um, supplement support. Now, don't freak out if you just did a detox and you get pregnant. That's totally fine too. You know, in fact, up to the first six weeks of babe's life, um, are they actually sharing a blood store with you? So, you know, if you get pregnant and you just did a cleanse, that's fine. But generally speaking, I'd plan about three months in advance because you will get some residual detox following that. And um, you can absolutely include detox supportive recipes throughout the process. Awesome. That's super helpful. And yeah, our detox program specifically is hypocaloric. So yeah, you know, I wouldn't follow the restrictive or I would add an extra couple of snacks in there if you are pregnant, but otherwise all of that food would be perfectly supportive. Yeah. And really good foliage yeah. for folic acid, yeah. all the good things for brain development and such. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So time for one more question. This one comes from Eloise in Washington, DC. She says, hi, as a young 23 year old female, I would love to hear a podcast on bone health and what you can do to build and strengthen your bones when you still have the chance. I know that beyond age 30 ah, <laughs> or so your bone mass begins to decline. I've heard that calcium supplements are no longer recommended because they can lead to plaque buildup in the arteries. Besides getting calcium from food and strength training, I wonder what else I can do for my bone health to prevent osteoporosis. Great. I love this question. So Eloise, the big thing with calcium um, and calcification uh, goes back to the source of calcium that you're using. So if you are someone that has a strong history of osteoporosis, um, or even personally have been shown to have risk of osteopenia, which is just the thinning of the bones, I would recommend uh, using a supplement that we carry called Osteofactors. So this actually uses a form of calcium called microcrystalline hydroxyapatite 
concentrate or MCHC. This is a highly absorbable crystalline compound that is extracted from the bones of grass-fed cows um, from New Zealand. Um, and it's backed by more than 30 years of research. We've seen the MCHC form of calcium, which is within our Osteofactors product, to contain the natural occurring calcium in the presence of phosphorus and other trace minerals, including bone growth factors, collagen, and other bone nutrients like phosphorus and boron, um, as well as manganese. So these minerals in synergy and taken in the bone matrix form are not seen as risk for calcification as far as a calcium citrate supplement or such that would be more water soluble. And calcification also is seen in studies in the deficiency of vitamin D or in excess vitamin D without K1 and K2. Um, so it's important to consider this as well. Um, so generally speaking, when I'm dealing with someone that has osteopenia or osteoporosis, I'm putting them on my osteofactors at one tablet twice a day. Um, and that's going to give them just under a gram of calcium per day because we use the remaining amount from diet. And then I'm also putting them on our vitamin D balance blend, which has 5,000 IUs of D in conjunction with 550 micrograms of K1 and K2 blend. Adding the Ks to your vitamin D helps to ensure that you're able to use the vitamin D and deposit the calcium into the bone. Um, if we just have high vitamin D supplement without the K, we're more prone towards calcification, which can be seen in kidney stones um, and can also be seen in calcification of soft tissues. So that is a true concern, and that's why I don't recommend over-the-counter calcium supplements, um, and that's why I recommend also, if taking a vitamin D, ensuring that it has K1 and K2, so that's delivering the calcium where it belongs into the bone. Um, and then as you acknowledge, for sure, weight-bearing exercise is one of the best lifestyle changes you can make. Um, that's going to stimulate that maintenance of bone growth and development. And then on a dietary level, we know that vitamin C is very supportive for collagen formation. Um, and uh, this is looking at, of course, like our citrus foods, our berries, our bell peppers. Um, using collagen protein powder could also be something that would be supportive, which is going to help with that matrix to keep our bones hard and strong. And then um, doing leafy greens for that vitamin K and pairing this with acid, so always having a salad dressing of sorts, is going to ensure that we're also getting a good amount of vitamin K to use the calcium and vitamin D in an appropriate way. Awesome. I think that's super helpful. So hopefully, Eloise, you're turning in, tuning in and hearing your question answered um, on air. Um, so we've covered a lot of ground today in terms of ways, ways to best support yourself so you can thrive and cruise through your travel with no problem, no major disruptions to the way you normally eat. Um, and then uh, we always love getting, like I said, those listener questions. So definitely if you have a question that you'd like answered, head on over to the podcast page and submit it at the Ask Alley tab and listen in in future episodes because we'll be trying to mix in some more listener questions. You guys have some great ones.
Absolutely. So we hope that you guys enjoy your summer travel and really indulge in the experiences that are available to you. Don't let food stress you out. Remember to plan ahead and bring some good travel snacks and then allow some mindful indulgences to experience the regional cuisine and share memories with friends and family members and, and don't allow yourself to feel deprived. Um, this whole idea is again, a lifestyle change. It has to be sustainable and we want to make sure that you feel nourished and you feel satiated throughout the entire process. Um, so thank you so much for listening. We hope we got some good nuggets of support for you. And um, as always, if you get a moment, please hop over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review with a couple uh, different uh, statements that always helps our algorithm to share food as medicine further. And check out in the show notes, we'll put a link to our blog on bone health and osteoporosis, as well as our Amazon store with all of our travel snacks and tips that can help to support you for success. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.